Taste of Country Nights with Evan Paul On Demand, Season 2, Episode 40 with Jason Aldean. How early into the the doing it do you Google? Like, how do you make sure there's not a Highway Desperado already done? I've always wondered that. I don't know. I mean, I just, I figured I'd never heard of it. So, you know, <laughs> I mean, and, and if there is a song out there and I've never heard of it, then surely our song's not going to sound anything like that. Okay, so, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I just, I'd never heard that term before. A lot of fun with Jason Aldean. He's our, our most decorated guest here at Taste of Country Nights on Demand. We're going to get into this and have a good time with Mr. Aldean. Don't forget to click like, subscribe, comment, rate. It all helps us out here at Taste of Country Nights on Demand, part of the Town Square Media Podcast Network. Evan Paul here, Taste of Country Nights, with the Taste of Country Nights on Demand most valuable guest. You've been here the most times at any country artist on the show, Jason Aldean. What's up? I didn't know that. Yeah, man. Oh, you didn't know they didn't send you a plaque or anything? No, nobody else comes to see you as much as me. That's no, weird. That's it's weird. you are the most. And I, <laughs> on a serious though, I must say, like to be at your level to to show up still, that's a big deal. Like I'm not gonna say any name, but you know, some people phoning in or zooming. In. You, you show up all the time, and I appreciate that. Well, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, you wrote three songs on this album: uh, "Hungover in a Hotel," "Break Up," "Break Down." And of course, the title track. Were you nervous to offer up ideas? Uh, no, you know, I mean, I moved to town as a writer, as a songwriter back in '98. I uh, was signed to Warner Chapel, Warner Brothers Publishing Company over there for years. Um, and I've had a writing deal, you know, in town for most of the time I've been here. Uh, you know, the thing I've always learned about me writing songs is like I'm on, I'm my own worst critic. So I'll write songs, I'll be like, that's eh, okay, but I like that song better than my song, so I'm gonna cut that song. And then this this time around, uh, a couple of guys in my band who have been, you know, on fire recently as far as writing goes. Uh, they wrote Trouble the Heartbreak and uh, If I Didn't Love You, the Carrie Duet, Try That in a Small Town. So um, they've been kind of after me to, like, get back in there and start writing a little bit. And, um, you know, and so I just kind of started coming up with some ideas, throwing some stuff around and and uh, ended up – we wrote we wrote more than this for the album, but uh, – these three were the ones that, that ended up making the record. So it was fun to kind of get back in that chair again and, and write a little bit and, uh, you know, get get creative like that. The Highway Desperado sounded like a song you had to write. Like, how long have you, have you been working on that? So the funny thing about that song was the way that came about was we were getting ready to uh, announce the tour. And so we didn't have a name for the tour. And so my management called and, and – um, you know, said, Hey, we, you know, we're getting ready to announce this thing. We got to have a name for this tour. And so I was sitting there, I was like, all right, give me 30 minutes. And so I just sat there at the house and I came up with Howie Desperado. I just thought, man, that's a cool, you know, cool name for a tour. And, and so we went and we shot this tour poster that was really cool. And I kind of had an idea of what I wanted to do for that. And we shot the poster. And when I got the picture back, I, uh, I called Tully, my bass player, who's, you know, one of the guys I've been writing with. And I just said, man, this is also a pretty good title for a song, too. And kind of, you know, kind of threw out the idea. And and uh, next thing we know, we're in there writing a song, too. But the the tour is where it came from. We needed a, a title for the tour. And so that was kind of where it started. When you do stuff like that and when you write, like, um, how early into the the doing it do you google like how do you make sure there's not a highway desperado already done i've always wondered that 
I don't know. I mean, I just I figured I'd never heard of it. So, you know, <laughs> I mean, and and if there is a song out there and I've never heard of it, then surely our song's not going to sound anything like that. Okay, so, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I just I'd never heard that term before. And, um, you know, to me, it was just kind of like kind of like what I feel like as a traveling musician. You know, you load up and you roll into town, you play your show, make a little money and take off, go to the next town, kind of do the same thing. And you're just kind of always on the go. And, uh, you know, that was kind of what we wrote the song about. And, um, so yeah, I never even thought to look and see if there was another one, but I, f- I felt like it was odd. It was an odd enough title that, you know, probably not. There okay. probably wasn't another one out there. Yeah, all right. So now I'm the OG, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, when you sing mama, mama's don't let your boys be country. I couldn't help but uh, think about mamas don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys. Yeah. Is there like an interpolation or something there? Uh, I, I definitely think there's a play on words there. I didn't write that song, so I don't, you know, I don't know what their their mindset was for that. But uh, I felt like for me, it was kind of a fitting song right now, especially you know, I got a five year old little boy. It is is growing up in a crazy world right now and it's like man just let them let them be kids let them be little let them go play and do all the things they're supposed to do and and figure things out for themselves and um you know don't you know little boys grow up to be men that are supposed to you know get married and take care of their family and be providers and like you gotta you know as parents you gotta grow you know raise them to to be that and so uh to me it was just you know a song kind of hit home for me when it comes to him thinking about him being little and and you know what's in store for him later so um is the aldine family complete am i even allowed to ask that oh it is complete my <laughs> man yeah there is yeah i always tell my wife i'm like if you have another baby it's gonna be with a different husband i'm out of the game i'm out of the game no we we uh you know we we have a great great family my two older daughters and then you know we got me and Britt and I have the two little ones. And so, um, you know, it's, it's complete. It's, it's great. And, uh, I've got that and two dogs and some fish and, you know, we're, we're good. House is full. Speaking of houses, are you guys at that same house you spent all the time building here in Tennessee or did you sell that? No, we still got it. We still, okay. I, I think there was some, a while back we, uh, we ended up buying, this little place on a golf course to be part of this. So I could go play golf and do all this kind of stuff. And, um, and it's here in town, but, um, so we ended up buying this house and I think people thought that we sold our main house to yeah, do that. Clear up but, the thing here. Okay. Yeah. So we still have our main house and, um, we, we just like real estate, man. We like buying things and using them for a few years, enjoying them. And then we'll sell them and kind of do, we, we always say like, we, you know, we do stuff for, for, this season of our life. Like while we're in the mood, it's like, Hey, let's go do this. And we'll go do that for a while. Then we'll sell it, go do something else for a while. So, um, but we do a lot of like real estate investment type stuff. And, and so that we're constantly, you know, doing things. So is there like an Aldine flipping business? Not a business. I mean, we, we get it with the intention of right now we want to do this and we plan to use it for a while. And then after a while, some places we keep, you know, that we really are into. And then other places we are like, eh, Maybe we're not using that as much. Maybe let's sell that and do something over here. And so we, you know, just kind of play that game a little bit. Where do you keep all the keys to all your houses and all your cars? Well, I don't know. I mean, you know, I really only have like two cars that I 
drive all the time. I, see, there's a comma there that I drive all yeah. the time. Well, but you still, when you got multi- have yeah, keys. but when you got multiple houses, you have to keep cars at those houses. You okay, know what I mean? Okay, okay. So, so is like, there I can't, one, I can't like, go to my house in Florida and not have a car to drive, so I have to have a car down there. <laughs> but I rarely drive it, so I don't really but there's count there's probably that. a golf car in Florida. Like, is there like an Aldine key ring somewhere? No, it's actually, it's actually kind of annoying when you go into our mud room like where all of our keys are it's like you're <laughs> digging through to find yours and you know it's kind of annoying actually <laughs> um who has the nicest house in country music like is there anyone other than yourself where you walk in and you're like damn um I'm trying to think of whose places we've been to uh you know i've been to luke's house luke's got a great place out there big farm kind of antebellum style house and a uh, really cool spot um who else? I don't know. Nobody invites me to their house, man. <laughs> <laughs> they either don't invite me to their house or they like, you know, they're still living in the same house they lived in, you know, when they got their deal. Uh, <laughs> living with their parents. Yeah. Um, I think I think Cole Swindell lived in a, like a apartment above a garage forever. Really? Yes, I think he was over there forever. And like so, after a couple hits? Oh yeah, like well after a couple hits. So, it, but it, I get it because you know when you're, especially in his case where you're single uh-huh. at the time, um, you know you're always on the road, man. You're living on a bus, and it's like you just need a place to sleep and crash, yeah. take a shower when you get back, and like so I get it, but. Um, I never got to live the the bachelor life like that. I had to have it together, man. I had to have a house and like all the thick kids' rooms and yeah. all the stuff, you know. I've read that wasn't it like Brock Purdy or one of the quarterbacks still lives in an apartment with, with a his roommate. roommate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that reminds yeah. me of that. Sorry to hear about your Atlanta Braves, man. They had a good run. They had hey, a good run. I, I'm a firm believer in the baseball playoff system. Is it needs to be fixed, man? It is. It's rough when you got a team that only plays two games in nine or 10 days. I mean, it's, um, it's hard. It's hard to kind of get out of that pennant race mindset. And then, Oh, we got a week and a half off, play a couple games. And then it's like, you're, you know, you I get, get it. You get, that's the second year in a row. It's happened with us and with Philly who we own during the season. So it's like, I don't know. It, it's the one year we won, we actually played our way in through the wild card. And then the, the, NLDS than the NLC, you know, we were just constantly playing, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's the teams that do that have the better shot of winning it. All right, let me ask you, as a baseball player, former baseball player, could you get in the box and hit a major league fastball right now? No, no. What, uh, what's the? I can hit a changeup right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> if we went to a batting cage that went all the way up to ninety by tens, like where would you go? Um, I don't know. I mean, I could probably still. I mean. I haven't hit in forever, but um, I don't know. I'd say like mid-80s, maybe 80, mid-80s, possibly. Dude, I don't know. Yeah. It's been a while, so I don't know. Okay. There you go. That is You nailed that. That is yeah. about a changeup nowadays. Um, all right. Let's get into the uh, Toby Keith thing. Yeah. How would you get him to join you on stage in Oklahoma City last weekend? So we were in Oklahoma City, and uh, Brian O'Connell, who was our rep from Live Nation, our promoter from Live Nation, uh, you know, he kind of does everybody. He's does my stuff and Luke and used to do Toby and does Tim, like all those guys. And so anyway, we were in town and uh, he invited him out. So during the day, Toby came out and hung out for a little bit during the day and kind of caught up and uh, just kind of threw it out. Like, hey, man, this is this is your town. If you want to jump up, 
no pressure, but it's it's all on you. And I think he had to go to his grandson's uh, football game or something that night. And he was like, I should be back around 1030. And I'm like, my show ends at 11, man. Like, I, you, you know, and I was hoping he would come. And so uh, he ended up coming back over and got there at the end of the show, walked up and just killed it, man. It was it was electric in there. And um, it was just good to see him. It was good to see him. Good to see him on stage. He sounded great. Um, he hung out for a couple hours after the show and, you know, with me and my, my guys in the band and, and, uh, it was good, man. It was just good to see him. Good to see him, you know, in good spirits and, and doing well. And, um, I know he's gone through, you know, pretty, pretty tough couple years here. And, um, so I don't know, you just, you just hate to see that, but you love to see like somebody get up and do what they're so good at and have done for all these years. And so, and the crowd was electric for him. So it was, it was just a really cool moment, cool night. And, um, I think uh, I think he he felt the love from everybody that you know he's got a lot of people in his corner. So from as a fan of country music, is it hard the first time you laid eyes on him this time around after seeing him for the you know the first time you see somebody after they're sick like that? He's yeah. such an icon. Is that is that tough? Well, I mean, you don't. I don't think you want to see anybody you know not at their best or whatever. But I mean, I, I saw Toby last year at the BMI Awards. Was the last time I saw him and. You know, went and talked to him and, and hung out. And, you know, obviously, I mean, when you go through something like that, you're going to lose a little bit of weight and some of those kind of things. And you're going to look, you know, not like you're used to looking or whatever. But, you know, I, I feel like he, he looks, um, you know, for what he's gone through, I, I feel like he looks as, as good as he could right now, you know. And, and so I'm, th- those kind of things, I mean, still take time to build your strength up and, and kind of put that weight back on and some of those things. So it's just a, it's just a process. And, and the fact that, I mean, he's, he's a tough guy, man. So all the things he's gone through the last couple of years to, uh, you know, to still jump up and play and, and still want to do that. I mean, it says a lot about him. So, um, you know, but I, I think uh, it was good to see him. It was good to see him in like in good spirits and having fun. And, you know, cause I know he's been through a lot. So, it was it was just good to catch up with him. Were you like like your show was almost over and you didn't know? Did someone go in your in ear? Well, I you... knew I knew there was a possibility of him coming. They were just going to let me know when he got there. <laughs> and so when they told me he's there, I'm like, all right, let's go. Wow. And, uh, and here's here's the thing. So I was trying to announce him. I was trying to, you know, I was going to give him this big announcement. You know, set yeah. it up to where the blew the roof off the place. And so I'm in the middle of that, and I look over in the pit and. People are already going crazy, and so I look over, and he's already just, you know, walking on stage, just sashaying on stage like he does. <laughs> Place went crazy, man. It was so, it was so cool. He was ready to get out there and, and do his thing, which was, which was fun. Uh, I want to play you something that he uh, told me one time, and I want to get your interpretation on that. Yeah. Got so easy for me. We were getting so got so system got so easy for me. We were getting so much airplay, and I, I had figured out who I was and what I did that um, I'd write an album, and I would tell the promotion staff, here's your four singles. Go work them. Are you kind of at that point of yeah. your career now? Yeah. we. Well, I mean, I feel like we've been there for a while. Um, I think after um, – probably. well, I remember – it first happened with the My Kind of Party album because I went in. I don't think we played any songs for the label at all. I think we just, my producer and I, I think we just went in and cut that whole album. And then when it was done, we were just like, here's your record. And it didn't sit too well with everybody at the label at first. 
And um, but that album ended up doing so well that I think it kind of gave me a little little more street cred with the label. And from that point on, it was just like same kind of thing. We go make the albums. I'm like, here's the singles. Here's the first one, second one. I don't really know what the third and fourth are going to be yet, but you know, here's these. And so, yeah, I mean, as an artist, you hope to get to that point to where, you know, you get to be an artist. You don't have your project, no offense, but like being A and R to death because you got, I I don't personally like playing my songs for, for the label before we cut them because everybody's going to have a different opinion. This person's going to like that song. This person's going to like a different song and, Everybody's going to have different opinions of what the singles are. And then that kind of gets in my head a little bit where I'm like, this is, this is what I want to do. This is what I hear. Now let's go with that, you know, and that way I'm not having a lot of different input going on. And so I think as an artist, you want to reach that point to where, you know, you get to be an artist, you get to be creative, go do your thing and not, you know, it's like you working on a piece of art and somebody going, Oh, we'll take that piece away. Mm -hmm. Oh, maybe move that here. And it's just like, it constantly to where it just, like it drives me crazy. So I got to a point where I couldn't do that. And uh, so, yeah, so now it's exactly like that. And and I think that's where everybody hopes to be. Have you ever had a song that created such controversies? Try that in a small town or is that the most controversial? Uh, I definitely think it's the most controversial. I think the only other one that would even kind of be close would be dirt road Anthem a little bit. Cause I remember when that came out, it was, you know, a little bit of hip hop, whatever. And, and you had your traditionalist in country music that hated that song, you know, so, like, Oh, this is ruining country music and all this stuff. And then you had other, you know, the flip side of that, that was like, you know, it was unlike anything they'd heard. So it was just like this double sided coin, you know? And, um, so that was the only other one that I remember stirring like a, a little bit of the pot, but nothing like what happened with this song. Do you sometimes feel misunderstood? I don't, f- I don't necessarily feel like I'm misunderstood. I feel like if you know me, you know, and if you get where I'm coming from, you know exactly where I'm coming from. I think a lot of times in the media, social media, they like to to change the narrative around to make it. If if this news channel doesn't like who you are and what you stand for and the kind of they just like to twist stuff around to make it sound like something it's not. And I see that all the time, you know, and it happens. And I'm not the kind of guy that's going to run out there every time and go, no, that's not what I said. Hold on. You know, it's just like, man, if you get what I'm saying, you get it. If you don't want to see it, you're not going to see it. And, you know, at that point, I'm not going to waste my time trying to get you to understand it. Um, And when that happened, you you put one message on social media and that was kind of you kind of left it alone. Yeah, that's the way I do. I'll address it once. I'll say my piece. You can do with that what you want, you know, but it's just I mean. I just feel like, what's the old thing? If you know, you know. Like, if you know what I'm saying, you get it, you understand, you feel the same way. If you don't, you're never, probably never going to get it. You know, you're probably never going to be, you know, trying to see my point of view. So what's the point, you know? All right. Um, I'm rooting for you to beat Luke Bryan's number ones. He has 30. You're about I am to get too. Like 20. Listen, he likes to hold that over my head. Yeah. And he's got 30. You're getting there because you're at 28 with this one. Well, if this so. one goes, I'll be 28. But he likes to hold that over my head. So I I, uh, I don't know. I need somebody to like whack him in the kneecaps or something. Take him out for <laughs> take him out for about a year. Let me catch up. And then we can You'll get it. restart You'll get the race. It. And then know? when you do, buy him a giant rear view mirror. That's it. Just That's rear right. view right there. Well, I appreciate you coming by, man. Thank you. Yeah, always fun, man. Yeah. All right. And let's bring in Billy Dukes from behind the camera to talk about our number one most visited guest on Taste of Country Nights on Demand, Jason Aldean. What was the number one thing you wanted to know from Jason Aldean out of this interview? 
the keys, the cars, the houses. I constantly <laughs> want to know stuff like that about rich people. So to be able to get an actual answer, and he even tried to skirt it. Uh, uh, he even tried to sideswipe it in the beginning. Like, I only got a couple cars, but you got to really get in there because you, you got to do the math. If you got a few houses, you got cars in every house. So I'm glad we got to talk to him about that. Yeah, you 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 got on him like Barbara Walters, just sick of him, just <laughs> a dog on his heels, not letting him go until he told you the full breakdown about his car key situation. He's lucky because I wanted to know like what brands and stuff, but I didn't want to do that to him. But you know he's got because you know Brittany, ha- you know he's got like a Porsche or a couple Ferraris. You just know it, but I don't think he does. I don't think he does. Dang only, it. I think he I think he drives high end like like I've seen a BMW SUV in some videos and it's a nice car, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But he's never someone who's presented like a just like a sports car. Like Kane Brown is a sports car kind of guy. Like he's got fast cars. Jason Aldean, I haven't seen that be his uh, splurge yet. I man, I would almost bet that he has to own an exotic one exotic car like a, somewhere he, probably a ferrari or a lamborghini or something that jason aldean privately gets in and cruises around and nobody knows it's him and, and you know it's something like what you described to like a lamborghini he's not going to be in like a 1965 like rolls royce or a fiat or like kind of like one of those really expensive like old classic cars like tim mcgraw has this old school right. cherry red uh convertible of some sort i can't recall what brand it is but it's like a 60s vehicle oh yeah that's yeah. not jason aldean's vibe no i can, I can see aldean like and aldean's in no way not in shape or big but i can just see him going ah you let him get in this Lambo, and then he gets like all the way down, like sitting on the ground. All right, get in there, Brett. All right, let's go. And then he's just like, ring, ring, you know. And I feel like nobody, because what country star other than I guess who you mentioned, like Kane Brown, and so what country star would could we see a country star in a Lamborghini? Maybe like Bailey Zimmerman or like Morgan Wallen. Oh yeah, like like um, I feel like Sam Hunt. Well, maybe not anymore. But when he was going in 2014, 2015, maybe he would have. Dustin Lynch, oh, okay. I could see in a, a Lamborghini. What? Oh sure, you don't think Dustin Lynch would be in a hot car? Really? No, I wouldn't have pegged that. Okay, okay. Yeah, or any of those artists out of like California. Um, maybe not John you Pardee, think, but you think Joe Nichols has a Lambo? No, no, I don't think Joe Nichols has Lambo money because he's got a lot of kids kind of spread about and yeah, no, I don't think he has, he has that kind of cash. What about this would be uh, man, we just need to add this somehow to all of our questions. What about like Hardy? (laughs) You think Hardy? Like someone like, yeah, I could see Hardy with a Lambo. Yeah, totally. And his wife would be right there with him. Just loving it. Even though he's got that song, um, uh, I I could buy a Maybach, but I'm still in my F-150. You think he you think he has one? Dirk Bentley used to drive drive that big old truck that he drove to Nashville in, but he also had a Prius. <laughs> True, True okay, story. yeah. The cars of country <laughs> <You know? laughs> music people. I mean, if you go to the CMA Awards, like um, 
on the day of Radio Row where they do all the interviews or stuff like that, you can see a bunch of jacked up pickup trucks, like hundreds of thousands of dollar trucks. Um, I've seen that once or twice, but there's never, never, would that hurt somebody's image in country? No, I don't, I don't think so. Um, no, I, I don't think so. I think people would get, would get by it. Okay. okay. It'd be kind of a funny little quirk, I think. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. T- to me, the highlight of this interview, this was an interesting one to approach, because this was really Jason Aldean's first round of interviews since the Try That in a Small Town controversy. But we knew that everybody was going to be just bombarding them with small that try that in a small town question. So it was like a number of things like how much are people actually going to care about that and want to read about that uh, when the article video podcast comes out, but also what can we get? That's a little bit different and might sort of distinguish us at the end of the day. I'm not sure that that was the most interesting thing about this interview. I thought what he said in response to Toby Keith's, comments about it being easy for him in radio i thought that was far more interesting than what he had to say about the uh small, yeah i agree yeah. i think it was cool that he knew like the exact moment of when he like kind of took power from the label into his own hands you know it was like the my kind of party album like he said and you know i guess there comes a time as as an artist where you can do that. It sounds like it wasn't well received at first, but what are you going to do when the numbers are, are where they are? It sounds like that kind of was the turning point of his career as far as, you know, the label. Because he's on like a, a label that, I mean, it's getting bigger. It has bigger artists now, certainly, uh, Broken Bow Records, uh, but he's like their. Their their main guy, you know, so he's like the all star, you know. And oh it, yeah, it seems like it's um, he's really been calling his shots, and maybe that's why he stays there. It surprised me when Toby Keith talked about how easy it was for him, but he said it like after his sort of radio career was behind him. It surprises me more that Jason Aldean has admitted, like for basically for the past ten years, it's. It's been pretty easy for him. Like that was almost like, cause you're so used to country artists just being so humble and grateful. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to drop this song off and you all call me when it hits number one and I'll be at the party. Okay. <laughs> like you don't get that very often. That's true. That's true, man. I love that him and Luke Bryan are, that uh, they're like have almost the same amount of number ones. And Jason Aldean's trying to get Luke Bryan to like take a year or two off so he could catch up. Like to me, that's, <laughs> I love stuff like that. So you wanted to know about his house. I, I did want to know. But I knew he wouldn't answer more about the small town controversy. Like we kind of batted back and yeah. forth how to sort of approach it. And I think how how you did it was probably best by just seeing if he would explain himself a little bit further. Um, I didn't feel like it was the setting to really nail him down on some issues from sort of both sides of the angle and, and a, sort of a, a combative interview. But I did want to know like, if he saw anything or heard anything that sort of ch- caused him to check up or or look up or, or change his mind a little bit. And, and it sounds like, no, he, he didn't. Um, yeah, I I almost I could I, I would have thought for sure he wouldn't either. I just I feel like he's just at the point where, you know, you it's it's called uh, F.U. money. You got F.U. money. You know, it's like you. And I asked him if he feels misunderstood, you know, like in the in the interview. And 
you know, that was I felt his opportunity to to say sometimes yeah, but I think he you know stuck to his guns of the media will turn whatever they need to turn to fit whatever narrative, and you know I don't think he's going to change from that. Did you think? I didn't think his song when I first heard it, Mama's Don't Let Your Boys Be Country. I thought of that as just like a straightforward sort of country song, uh, similar to the question you asked about it. When he kind of described it, I started thinking a little bit more about that controversy he and Brittany were involved in last year around this time yeah. about trans rights. Was he going there? Did we miss like a something he was trying to say? I couldn't decide at the end of the day. I think so. I think so. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah I mean, I think so. I, I think he was just doubling down on that, you know? Like, what are you going to say to what he said? I mean, that's, <laughs> I don't know. That that was his way of, you know, but he didn't write that. So it's like, I don't know. Yeah, but he's still saying it. Like, yeah. I, we missed, I mean, I missed that one, I guess. I, di- I didn't hear it in the song, but I don't always hear. I mean. You know, we get these albums and we only get to listen once or twice, really. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, it, I mean, it is just like a, an old country boy thing. Like, you know, let your boys get dirty. Mm-hmm. But then, like like you said, with that controversy that he had, it, it does seem like that's probably when he was, like, going through trying to pick out songs and stuff. And, you know, it does seem like that was maybe something that he wanted to say and, it was his chance to say it, and I think that you know he. I felt like he was when he said when he when he said like um, you know b- boys are supposed to you you know grow up and raise their family and blah blah blah. And, you know that was a very firm approach. He was putting his flag into the ground. I thought you know because that's a that's a that's a firm opinion. So uh, let me ask you this this question here: If you stepped into a batting cage and <laughs> were sent fifteen seventy five mile an hour fastballs, could you get a bat on any of them? Yeah, I think so. I think up to about eighty. Yeah, I think I think I could. <laughs> My thing is though, every time I go to a batting cage, or the last time I went, I feel like it was set to low and outside because they don't want anybody to get hit, and those are like impossible to hit with those little tiny bats they give you to use. So if I had like the perfect setup where I knew the pitch was good and I had a good bat, and I was with Jason Aldean, I feel like I could I could get almost as good as him. I don't think you could. I don't think you I don't can touch either. 80. I don't think now you can touch 80. Now that I said that, yeah, you're right. <laughs> 70, maybe I would get a bat on one or two. Now, okay. if, I, if I took a couple rounds, I could probably hit a couple. 60, I could handle easily enough. 70, 80, probably not. I feel like once Al Dean got in there and cranked it up for a while, I feel like he would be, he'd be back at it. I feel like he could get in there. I could yeah, see but that. I, don't I think would love he, to. I don't think he could, t- he could touch 85 either like he said he could. I, I think <laughs> if just given one round, I think he's I, – I would I would take that bet from him. <laughs> There'd be a lot of grunting and groaning from yeah, both I, of us, that's for sure. He'd probably walk out of there complaining about how the bat, the balls were low and away and he, they weren't spotted <laughs> yeah, properly. Just, 